This audio program may contain descriptions of violence and topics that may not be suitable for everyone. Please listen with caution. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. have private lives we do there are certain things Fiercely that we private. just cannot <laughs> like what tell sweaters we do it do not want to get from walmart yes that's that is our business that is number one privacy here yeah. <laughs> that is fbi level privacy yeah. <laughs> that's why we have locks on all our doors can't see our sweaters <laughs> <laughs> we keep them all in a, a gun safe <laughs> yeah it costs a lot of money but it it's but worth it's worth it. yes <laughs> it is we only take them out on special special occasions yep. we have to all have like our fingerprints it's a lot like the national treasure <laughs> where like you have to f- type in valley forge and put your fingerprint in and do the eye scan yes all of that very yeah. secretive so today we're talking about uh turn of the century killers uh-huh. and we're talking about the uh the 20th century <laughs> turn of the 20th <laughs> turn century of, well it could be turn be of any century we just happen to pick we happen to pick that because that was the most interesting time, I feel like. Yeah. Turn of this century wasn't that interesting. <laughs> right. And, like, so long ago is too There's much. not really facts. It's more just, like, legends. Yeah, it's true. I had one I was thinking of doing for this week. I actually did it at the Murderino Friendsgiving. And I thought I could still do it because you didn't really hear it. And I was like, ooh, this is a good story. But it's also, like, very long ago. Yeah. So well, also if I remember right, I know that I mean you could still do it. Uh, you could, I mean you could do murders. <laughs> I know, but I know I remember you talking about it and me being like, "Oh, it's okay. I can duck out at this part because I know this story." Oh, really? Yeah. You knew that one? I think so. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah, I think that's why I was like, "Okay, I can leave." Yeah, because <laughs> I was so tired. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking for doing, but I changed it, and this is actually mm-hmm. a really interesting story too that I'm gonna do, and it's weird because it's around the same time. Both of ours are within 10 years of each other. And mine is like a whole different atmosphere than yours. It's very weird because mine is in England. Atmosphere. Yes. Quote, cultural atmosphere, I think. Okay. Because we went to Asheville, North Carolina for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And we took the ghost tour, which Mm -hmm. I love. I almost got into a fight, but that's not. (laughs) Yeah, we all almost got into a fight. Yeah, it was going to be great, but we didn't. We didn't get into it. (laughs) No. Would have been satisfying, though. The ghost tour is really, really interesting. And if anyone goes to Asheville, I highly recommend doing it. Yeah, it's a really good ghost tour. Yeah, it was my second time doing it, and it was totally worth doing it a second time. Because each tour guide tells everything a little differently. They cover different things. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. And Ruppy's actually going to tell a story. you blown up my spot right now? Yes, I am. Fuck. (laughs) Ruppy's going to tell... This isn't your story. (laughs) Get she, off my story. <laughs> she's going to cover one of the things that was briefly gone over on the tour, uh-huh. which is really, really interesting. But the tour guide we had this time didn't really set the scene like this. But the first tour I did, that tour guide was explaining how in the early 1900s, Asheville, North Carolina was a Wild West town. 
You're really blowing up my whole story I'm, right I'm now. Not... This is like the first two paragraphs of my story is are now it? gone. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I'm sorry. I will stop talking about it. Yeah. Stop talking about my story. Yes. I'm going to research your story. <laughs> <laughs> but the one I'm doing is like Victorian England uh-huh. kind of still. And it's weird that it's only a decade different. Yeah. You know, but no. different places. England's same time. <laughs> yes. England, where all this horrific shit happened is yeah. just, you know, we're, we're going to talk about babies. <laughs> It's going to be bad. (laughs) So do we want to get into ours? I mean, you've already started mine, so. Not yours. (laughs) I think I go first this time. So So I'm going to tell you. We're just going to dive in here. I'm going to tell you about Amelia Dyer. So she was born in 1836 in the village of Pyle Marsh, England. Her father was a shoemaker and her mother was a stay-at-home mom. The family, while not wealthy, was solidly middle class due to her father's far-reaching positive reputation as a quality shoemaker. So they all had great shoes. Amelia was the fifth child. She had three brothers and one older sister. It differs. Some people are like, she had two sisters. And it was like, where? So Where? Well, maybe she had one younger. Um, Maybe. It said she was the youngest, though. We'll never know. We'll never know. It doesn't matter. Her maybe, siblings don't matter. Maybe one of her brothers liked to wear dresses sometimes. Could and maybe he transitioned yeah. and everyone was fine with it. And that was the least difficult part of the story. Yeah. He was just like, I think I want to be a girl. And, and everyone else was like, was like okay. I don't care what the fuck you do. Yeah. Why are that you was the me only redeeming quality. Yeah. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> her parents emphasized the importance of education. And all five of their children went to good schools. They were all really well educated. And Amelia was fond of poetry and literature. And she was reportedly a very gifted writer herself. Mm. Yes. It's always the writers. <laughs> I was going to say gifted people. Oh, yes. that's Those yeah, are the ones you got to look out, out for. Gifted. My nephew's gifted. <laughs> Technically. But he could definitely murder people. He's smart enough. He did break his brother's nose. <laughs> yeah. He has Asperger's as well. So he really doesn't understand. He's yeah. not great with sympathy or empathy. He's not great with sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this seemingly tight-knit and respectable family had one major issue. Amelia's mother contracted typhus, which mm. affected her mental health and presented as psychosis, which is apparently really? a didn't thing. Just kill her? No, apparently the fever... It, like, Makes scrambles you go your brain. Crazy. Yeah, but yeah. normally it just kills you, I feel like, then after, like, a few days. I mean, it eventually I did. people but can live with that. I think this went on for, like, a few months. Ugh. Yeah, it was bad. Was too many months. So she suffered from fits of violence as the fever ravaged her brain. And the five siblings bore the brunt of these outbursts. Huh. So Maybe she was just... mom has typhus. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the new... That's the new theory. <laughs> So, but think about it. It's like, no, mom's fine. We have a great family. And then it's like, oh, mom has a fever. And then it's like, oh, mom is beating the mom's shit out of us. insane now. Yeah. Crazy. So. I'm surprised they weren't like, the devil is yeah, inside of Yeah, that would have been f- more fun. Yeah. Amelia and her siblings cared for her mother also Aww. while she was sick. So not only was she Why, beating the, the was shit. Dad? He was making shoes. Ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. Should have gotten little shoes. elves. <laughs> Yes, they were all out of elves. The elves also had typhus. So, you know, you can't trust them. Between Santa and making cookies, not a lot of them. Yeah, shoes. Exactly. The shoes aren't as fun. No. 
So during this time, Amelia began to recede into herself more, and she became more cold and hateful because, you know, her mother was beating the shit out of her for no reason. Amelia's mother died in 1848, and she was just 12, not the mother, Amelia. <laughs> that would have been fun. And also the mom was a child. Was 12. <laughs> she popped well, you out can imagine how hard quick. it is Yes. Her. <laughs> really, she couldn't really do much in the way of beating them. She was just yeah. 12. <laughs> Around the same time, two of her siblings died as well. From what? Who the fuck knows? This is where the discrepancy came in, where it was like, her two sisters died. And it was like, well, you just said she had three brothers and one sister, so where's the other sister? (laughs) So that one's a little fuzzy, but we know. how. Yeah. I mean, I think back then it was just like, eh. (laughs) They got a cold. I mean, they could have gotten typhus, too. Yeah. Well, and typhus, I think back then the most common way to catch typhus was fleas. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know. (laughs) So they might have just been living where there was typhus fleas, you know? Dealing with the loss of almost half her family, Amelia went to live with her aunt in Bristol. While living in Bristol, Amelia seemed to overcome her depression after the loss of her mother and siblings. Great. And then the story ends. Right. right? That's it. it. Everything's good. Well, next. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) She began interning for a corset maker. And hoped to one day have her own corset shop. Eleven years later, Amelia's father also died. And her oldest brother, James, took over the shoemaking business. Now, this started a feud between Amelia and James over the ownership of the business. I thought she wanted a corset business. She did. She wanted to turn her father's shoemaking shop into her corset shop. What a bitch. But her brother was just like, no, I'm going to still make shoes. It's fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? You can't just... He's like, I have a penis. It's mine. Sorry. Well, I mean, he is the oldest. And also, it is a shoe stop shop. It so is. So one of the siblings is like, I want to make shoes still. Then it's like... Could well, you okay. imagine if she's like, well, but what if I also sold corsets here? And he was just like, no, he just knocked the <laughs> fucking corset over. <laughs> He's like a three-year-old. No. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just really... They're all children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dad was only 10. 10 was, when he it died. It was so sad. <laughs> it, it, the numbers don't add up, yeah. but we'll actually get into numbers not adding up in a second. Uh-oh. So in 1861, Amelia was 24. And having lost the store to her brother, she moved into a lodge in Bristol. And there she met a man named George Thomas, who was 59. The two eventually married... But they lied about their ages on the marriage certificate to reduce the significant age gap. So what they did is George listed his as 48, which was 11 years younger than what he actually was. Okay. And he listed Amelia's as 31, six years older than she actually was. So after marrying George, Amelia began training to be a nurse. But were they in love? I guess. <laughs> I don't, so it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know what they talk about. <laughs> yeah, what do you have in common? Right? She's 24 and wants to make corsets and he's a 59-year-old man. <laughs> I mean. He's like, I love women in corsets. So I, I guess, guess that's got where a lot we, in common. Yeah. So this also fucked up historical records because they were like, is she 31 or is she 24? Yeah. Who the fuck knows? So. Anything goes. Right? <laughs> So she began training as a nurse, and she gave up on her dream of becoming a corset maker. Ugh. However... Get married, you gotta give up those dreams. Right? However, while learning the profession of nursing, Amelia learned of a more lucrative and less grueling job. Because being Murder. a Victorian nurse fucking sucked. Yeah, it's probably just cleaning up dead people, mostly. You're just hacking off body parts and yeah. shit. Doctors on 
morphine. Yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's prescribed cocaine. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get into like, Oh, you have a cold? Shit. Have some cocaine. Yeah. The good old days. Yeah. During the time, unmarried women who became pregnant had few options. They could bear the stigma and social isolation that came with raising an illegitimate child. They could abandon the baby after it was born and let it die of neglect. Or Fun. they could utilize a baby farm. In <laughs> you seem skeptical of these baby farms. Are they Do they put them in the ground and wait for them to sprout? Yes. yes. I'm trying to figure out are they taking babies to a place like it's an orphanage and people come and buy them or is it a farm <laughs> that babies run? <laughs> That because would be how better. cute and little overalls. And yeah. got, it's like that farm photo where it's the mom and the dad with the big pitchfork. Yes, there's a baby. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to explain to you what it actually is. Okay. In 1834, England passed a law known as the Poor Law Amendment Act, which was really sexist and fucked up. It protected fathers of illegitimate children from having any financial obligation to the mother or the child. Ugh. Yeah, it was... Real fucked up and stupid. Mothers who wanted to keep their children often could not support themselves financially because raising a baby requires full-time parenting or a full-time caregiver, which few women could afford, Hmm. especially if their job prospects were hindered by the stigma of being a single mother. So this left an opening for people looking to profit off of these mothers. Parents who wanted to hide the fact that they had a child or those that could not afford to keep theirs could give their child to what became known as a baby farm. Baby farms were privately owned homes, which the homeowners used to raise illegitimate children for a fee. Some baby farms also took care of expectant mothers in the months before they gave birth. So you send your kid there and then you give them money and they take care of it for you. Yes, basically. So it's like a boarding house. Kind of. And sometimes you like give birth to the baby there and then hand it off and go back to work. And a lot of times the mothers were like, this is temporary. Uh Like they, it would technically be adoption, but they like, there was an understanding that they were going to come back when they had enough right. money to support themselves and the child, which never happened because everyone was fucking poor. And, well, they all know. probably died. That too. In like five years from then. <laughs> so more well-off parents would pay anywhere from 80 to $100 or pounds, this is England, per month, which included a promise to keep their identities and the existence of their child a secret. So, like, you could blackmail parents into yeah. paying more money. Impoverished mothers would pay somewhere around $6 a month. Huh. But in today's money, that would range somewhere around $150 to $3,000. And these charges could be weekly or monthly, depending on how much the individual person charged and all that. Right. And I'm sure, you know, if you get some sex work off the street, you know, okay, I'm going to charge her 6 a month because she won't pay if I don't. Yeah, exactly. But if you get... Some rich mm-hmm. lady who's like, I just don't want people to know I had a baby. You know you can charge fucking... $3,000 a yeah, month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's and they're so going to people... do it because they have more to lose. Yeah, exactly. One of the major problems with baby farms was that many of the people who ran them didn't know how to properly care for children, let alone dozens at the same time. Some caretakers just saw these children as sources of income and did not even attempt to provide proper care. Yeah. Baby farmers starved babies to save money 
and babies who were especially fussy were given alcohol or opiates, known as mother's friend, to quiet them. You know what it sounds a lot like? What? Today. <laughs> yeah. Foster care today. Yeah. It's a lot of people who don't know how to take care of multiple kids mm-hmm. and just do it for the money. Yeah. It's a problem. And then they, like, starve their kids or whatever to take all that money. Yeah. So children that were given these concoctions of alcohol and opiates, they often overdosed. Or they ended up starving to death because if they were quiet, then the caregivers didn't think to feed them. And they also sometimes, if they were high, they didn't want food. Mm -hmm. So they would starve to death. Coroners at the time thought that babies who died in this way did so because they were not given enough breast milk. Ah, yes. That's exactly why. Not the cocaine. No. None of the opiates in their system. When babies died, baby farmers would often try to conceal the death to continue collecting payments from their parents. If a mother or father began coming to the farm to see their child, they would often be given excuses as to why they couldn't see them, and many were too ashamed to report any suspicious behavior to the authorities. Well, yeah, if you're too ashamed to tell people you have you a have baby, a kid. yeah, you're, you're going to be gonna. too ashamed to be like, Hey, not only do I have a baby, but I think I gave it to a place and it might be dead. Now. Yeah. No one's ever going to go to the cops if yeah. they're, yeah. So when Amelia had to quit working as a nurse after the birth of her daughter and the death of her husband in 1869, she opened up her very own baby farm. Amelia took in expectant mothers and also advertised her home as an orphanage and foster home. She charged parents weekly for the care of their children. Because Amelia had been a nurse and was well-spoken and well-educated, many mothers felt comfortable leaving their children with her. Soon, Amelia had taken in far too many children than she could care for, but she rarely turned parents away out of an unwillingness to turn down money. Mm, Just like daycares. Yes. (laughs) During this time, Amelia married William Dyer and had two children with him. After several years of marriage, Amelia left William. On her own again, Amelia's home became so filled with babies that she Wait, knew she couldn't care what for. What happened to the 59-year-old? He died. Oh. She had one kid with him and then he died. Because oh. he was fucking old. I feel like we missed that part. I, just, I said it. Oh. Still not willing to forfeit any payments from parents and taking in too many children to wait for the older ones to starve to death, Amelia came up with a plan. You know, they just take too long to starve to death. They take their sweet time. It's like two weeks. Right. Ugh, just die already. (laughs) She would kill the children as soon as their parents left them in her care. Oh, my God. To avoid the expense of having to feed them. Well, yeah, why feed something you know is just going to die? Yeah. She was like, well, that's money being wasted. She had to keep a few, though, because wouldn't parents come and drop off kids and be like, there are no kids here? Um, so we'll get into later her exact like method of doing it. But a lot of the time she was just like, no, I'm, you know, I'm married and I just want a baby of my own. I can't have children. And that's how she would take it. She wasn't like, this is a place where all kids come, but there are no kids. Yeah. With the children dead, Amelia was able to pocket every cent from their struggling parents. And like these women, a lot of them are out. They're in factories and shit. Slaving away to be able to afford these payments, and their kid's dead. Like, it's for nothing. Amelia's murderous practice continued for years until a doctor who had been called to her home to certify the deaths of several children reported her to authorities. Why was a doctor? Who called that doctor? She did. Because it was, you would just be like, oh, starved to death. 
or oh, you know, whatever. Oh, it I dies. Just, I would have just buried them and not told anyone. So she did this mostly so that she didn't have to dispose of the bodies gotcha. because they would just take them away at that point. When police investigated the doctor's suspicions, she didn't think anyone would catch no, on she after re- like she, the fiftieth child. I know, right? She was just like, it happens, you Idiot. know. So fragile. Let's just shake them and blah. You just drop them on the ground, they're dead. Yeah, right? Who knew? <laughs> I mean, I so, <laughs> <laughs> So the investigators discovered that Amelia had indeed been murdering the children. But instead of charging her with murder, she was sentenced to six months hard labor for child neglect. Well, she did neglect them as she, well. I mean, it's true. Is it in those graves? <laughs> no. While serving her sentence, Amelia's mental state deteriorated. She became suicidal and attempted suicide twice while in prison. She wasn't good enough at it. No, she wasn't. You'll see that throughout this whole thing. When she was finally released, she became depressed and spent several periods of time in a mental asylum. all that baby killing got to her? You'd think it would if someone had a soul or a conscience, but... Being a former asylum nurse, Amelia knew how to manipulate the system to make her stays in these asylums more enjoyable. So it was like a vacation for her. Mm -hmm. Despite all of this, Amelia was allowed to return to her nursing career. What? Yeah, I know, right? But was unable to maintain employment due to her various relocations and hospitalizations, as well as her new addiction to opium and alcohol. But not because of the baby murders. No, not about the murders. No one cares about that. (laughs) They were like, well, that's fine, but... Mm, Opiates? Yeah, no. In 1890, Amelia was hired to take care of the baby of a governess. When the mother was visiting... Wait, she was taking... She So she was hired... She was the nanny for a nanny? Kind of. That's so what a governess it was, is. Yeah, it was a, the illegitimate child of a governess. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So she was like, yeah, here, <sighs> take my baby and take care of you it. You think she had sex with the family she was taking care of? Probably. <gasps> Nora Roberts, right <laughs> So when the mother was visiting the child, she grew suspicious that the baby wasn't hers. Huh. She inspected the child for a distinctive birthmark on its hip, but couldn't find it. Well, you know those birthmarks, they, they come, just they disappear. <laughs> the governess called the authorities, and Amelia attempted to kill herself by drinking two bottles of laudanum, which was an opium tincture. But... She had built up such a tolerance for opium through her addiction that the suicide attempt failed. (laughs) She just got real high. That was it. Unable to practice as a nurse, Amelia returned to baby farming. Only this time, she was more careful when it came to getting rid of her wards. She decided not to involve doctors to issue death certificates for the children, which left her to dispose of the bodies herself. They're just babies. You just probably boil them down. (laughs) She didn't do that. Make a nice soup. Yeah. This method was not without its failings, and authorities were sometimes called by parents who wanted to reclaim their children. This led to Amelia moving her business to different towns and cities. She would often take on different aliases to remain anonymous. She hired a woman named Jane Smith to assist her in her baby farming. What the fuck? And she was usually accompanied by her daughter, Polly, and Polly's husband. And they all knew that she was killing babies? Oh, yeah. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> In front of women who were relinquishing their children to Amelia's care, Jane Smith posed as Amelia's daughter. Amelia was able to continue murdering babies and collecting payments for them for years. In 1896, Evelina Marmon was a 25-year-old 
barmaid. She gave birth to her illegitimate daughter, Doris, in a boarding house in January of 1896. Evelina placed several adoption ads in the local newspapers that read, quote, Wanted, respectable woman to take young child. Evelina planned to return to work and eventually reclaim Doris. Alongside her ad in the paper was another ad that read, quote, Married couple with no family would adopt healthy child, nice country home, terms 10 pounds. Evelina responded to the ad and was put in touch with a Mrs. Harding, who was actually Amelia Dyer. But she doesn't have a husband. I know. She's just fucking making shit up at this point. Amelia wrote to Evelina saying... You're not a family without a man. (laughs) (laughs) Amelia wrote to Evelina saying, I should be glad to have a dear little baby girl, one I could bring up and call my own. We are a plain, homely people in fairly good circumstances. I don't want a child for money's sake, but for company and home comfort. Myself and my husband are dearly fond of children. I have no children of my own. A child with me will have a good home and a mother's love. Mm. At first, Evelina objected to the weekly fee that Mrs. Harding proposed, but she eventually agreed. When Evelina met Amelia Dyer, she was surprised by how old she was. Why but how old She was Amelia? in her 60s. Yeah. But Amelia acted affectionately toward Doris, and this put Evelina at ease. She gave Doris to Amelia with a cardboard box full of clothing, along with the $10. Once Amelia and Doris had left... Please, 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Once Amelia and Doris had left, Evelina was reportedly distressed at having given up her child to a virtual stranger. Mm-hmm. Days later, Evelina received a letter from Amelia saying that all was well with Doris. Evelina wrote back, but never received a reply. What Evelina did not know, and could likely not have imagined, is that immediately after boarding the train with Doris... Amelia went to her daughter Polly's home in London. Once there, she grabbed white edging tape that Polly used for dressmaking. She wound the tape around Doris's neck and knotted it. Doris's death likely took several minutes, and Amelia Dyer later stated that she enjoyed watching the baby suffocate. Polly and Amelia wrapped Doris's body in a napkin and took the clothing that Evelina had given to Amelia to a pawn shop. Amelia used the 10 pounds Evelina had given her to pay Polly's rent, and she also gifted a pair of baby boots to the landlady as a present for her daughter. The very next day, Amelia adopted another baby, a boy named Harry Simmons. Yeah, Harry Simmons was 13 months old, and Doris was three months old. Oh, three months old. Yeah. Baby. Very, very tiny. Again, took the child to Polly's home, And when she discovered there was no edging tape left, she removed the tape from Doris's neck and used it to strangle baby Harry. Amelia put Doris and Harry's bodies into a carpet bag along with several bricks. She slipped the bag through the railings along the River Thames. Then the baby's bodies were gone, or so she thought. On March 30th, 1896, a bargeman working on the Thames fished a different bag from the water. It had not been weighted down adequately and was easy to spot. Inside was the body of infant Helena Fry. The bargeman reported the body to police, and detectives began trying to trace where it had come from. They found a label on the bag from the Temple Meads train station in Bristol, and were also able to analyze a piece of wrapping paper found in the bag. The wrapping paper, when viewed under a microscope, had the name Mrs. Thomas as well as an address on it. Police were able to locate Amelia, but didn't have any solid evidence to arrest her. 
Amelia Dyer's home was placed under police surveillance to prevent her from fleeing. Detectives also used a young woman to reach out to Amelia to solicit her adoption services. Amelia agreed to meet the woman, but instead was met by police on her doorstep, who raided her home and were immediately met with the stench of human decomposition. No remains were found inside the home, but documents such as telegrams, pawn tickets, advertising receipts, and letters from mothers were found. From these documents, it was determined that Amelia had taken in 20 children in the previous few months. Amelia Dyer was arrested on April 4th, 1896, and charged with murder. While Amelia was in custody, the Thames River was dredged and six more infants' bodies were discovered, including those of Doris Marmon and Harry Simmons. Each child had been killed in the same way. Just 11 days after giving her daughter to Amelia Dyer, Evelina Marmon identified her daughter's remains. On May 22nd, Amelia pled guilty to the murder of Doris Marmon, a witness who had spoken to Amelia while she was disposing of the two babies, gave evidence at trial. What did she think she was doing? Well, he w- I think he was just talking to her, like, on the street, and she had the bag and was like, oh. yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. And then she, just, like, slipped right, the then, bag. Yeah. yeah. Amelia's daughter, Polly, eventually testified against her. The only defense Amelia Dyer presented was insanity. There was ample evidence of her stays in several different mental asylums, but the prosecution argued that she had fabricated her mental illness to avoid culpability for her actions because every time she had been committed, she had been close to being found out. The jury took only four and a half minutes to convict Amelia Dyer of murder, and she was sentenced to death. While awaiting execution, Amelia wrote her, quote, last true and only confession. She gave her written confession, which filled five notebooks, to the chaplain the night before her execution. In the confessions, Amelia explained how she had told her children, who were curious where the babies kept going, that she was a, quote, angel maker who was delivering the children to Jesus because he wanted them more than their mothers did. In a strange, okay. <laughs> in a strange legal turn of events, I love this because it's so stupid. Amelia was set to be called as a witness in her daughter Polly's trial for murder, which was set to take place a week after Amelia's scheduled execution. The court ruled that Amelia Dyer was technically dead once sentenced to execution, so she could not be called to testify, and so her execution was not postponed for the trial. (laughs) The night before Amelia's execution, the charges against Polly were dropped. Amelia Dyer was hanged on June 10th, 1896 at 9 a.m. But also think about this. She was arrested in April. It only took them two months to kill her. How crazy. Her last words were, I have nothing to say. After her execution, several mothers came forward and investigators linked Amelia to dozens, if not hundreds, of murders. It is unknown exactly how many children Amelia Dyer murdered, but investigators speculate that if she had been killing babies at the same rate she had been when she was captured, the number of victims could be around 300. Where did all these bodies go? The ones that weren't in the river? So some people think she buried them at the various places she lived, which would be actual God, baby farming. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's just trying to make a baby tree. Right? Should, someone's got to search them. Someone's right? got to figure out where they are and search them with that, one of those yes. ground sensor things mm-hmm. that you go in with. Because there was also another woman who did something similar in Australia, uh-huh. and she just, like, buried all of them in the backyard, and they dug up 
hundreds of babies. Well, or there's that person, the Wineville chicken coop murders. Yes. He like ground the bones up Mm -hmm. and like mixed them in with dirt. And so yeah. they could never, they could, they could never authenticate how yeah. many people, they were like, we think he's killed like 20 something, but we don't know. We only found like yeah. three. All you can bodies. really do is speculate without, yeah. you know, substantial. Without, so, yeah. Ooh. After Dyer's execution, England passed stricter adoption laws and granted power to local police to inspect baby farms. How about make fucking dads be <laughs> they, responsible right? for their goddamn How about semen? not make mothers feel like they have to just give their children yeah. to strangers just to survive, you know? Unfortunately, these laws still did not prevent abuse against foster children. Two years after Amelia Dyer was executed, a railway worker found a package. Inside was a three-week-old baby girl. Oh, my God. Who was cold and wet, but alive. Yay! The baby had been the daughter of a widow who gave the child to a woman by the name of Mrs. Stewart in exchange for 12 pounds a week. Was it Polly? Though Mrs. Stewart was never formally arrested, investigators believe that she was none other than Polly Dyer. Right? She's keeping that family business going. <laughs> yeah. Did she try to drown that kid? Is that why she was wait, wet? No. Well, I think it was raining. I, so, oh, according so she just to stuck what, her in a package? She put her in a package, got on a train, and threw her out of the train. That's no way to kill somebody. No. That's, that's you a, got it. Two it's to the not, it's the not foolproof. It's, you know. So, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So, she probably, she was never arrested again. So she could have yeah. killed more than her mother did. Yeah. How was she not arrested or found or whatever? Who knows? I mean. Because even when it comes down, even if it, they couldn't prove it was her, mm-hmm. once that kid's in her custody, you think they could arrest her for like neglect because clearly, or like not reporting a crime or something, because clearly something happened where now she doesn't have that kid, the Mrs. Stewart. Yeah. You know? I think they. So even if they couldn't. Yeah, they they just couldn't like get it together to be able to prove that she was Mrs. Stewart. Oh, they were like, I guess they probably like they believed from what they found that she was, but they were like, we can't where the money was going. Back then, it's just all paper money. It's right, but you're mailing it to an address. Who lives at that address? I don't know. That's a good. Maybe it was a PO box. (laughs) No. Yeah. Maybe they it was like drop it in a trash can at this time. It's like, yeah, this seems legit. Yeah. Have my child. <laughs> <laughs> you seem great. <laughs> okay. Well, mine doesn't have children murdered. Well, that's probably good. That's I think we've had best. our fill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Austin's already told you my, the rundown of my story. No, I didn't. Yeah. I just told you the setting. <laughs> <laughs> that's my first part. Okay. Well, I'll just no, retell no, it. No, yeah. Re- so, actual North because Carolina. Because the listeners don't know. You told them. I, I just said it was Wild Westy. <laughs> Asheville, North Carolina. It's like, so I. It was my first time seeing it. I was really excited because I can't believe she's never gone with me. Yeah, my grandparents live there. I've been there a million times. I lived there for a little while. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like very hipstery. Now, yeah, nowadays. they say it only has two things: hippies and rednecks. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see a lot of rednecks. Well, <laughs> just those people who yelled at us. Yeah, that those ones. <laughs> but in 1906, it was slowly turning into the hub of a city it was today. But it wasn't. Most of the streets, like like Austin said, it was kind of the Wild West. Yeah. It was. Well, because I'm sure it was fucking difficult to get to because it's yeah, in the mountains. Yeah, and so the Vanderbelts would be there soon, and that's how the railroads would get there, and then it would become, like, this big city where a lot of famous people or, like, 
stockbrokers and shit like that would move to. And that's kind of what made it like this city. Yeah. But And then it also had another boom when tuberculosis hit yeah. because they thought the mountain air cured it. Exactly. It didn't. But in 1906, <laughs> it was like right on the cusp of that. Mm. So like people knew about it kind of, but most of it was poor working class folks. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like one good main street and then all the other streets were kind of like bullshit like yeah they were, i know. think it uh, it was a lot of like everyone for themselves kind yeah, of yeah it was just yeah. like a lot of bars mm-hmm. a lot of locals a lot like yeah you know. i don't think it was like a oh let's go into town yeah it wasn't like it was now just, uh, or like i know tons of people who have gone to visit Asheville. it mm-hmm. wasn't like that back then it wasn't yeah. like oh let's go see the city place, yeah it was you live there because there's a lot of working places you, you live know. there because you were born there and your family has a tobacco yeah, farm there. but <laughs> also there were there were a lot of factories and like mm-hmm. bars and stuff from this research i found oh, at least okay. so there was a lot of jobs available oh. so people would work there uh-huh that makes sense. That's why people stayed there, but they weren't good jobs. It's not like you're a banker or yeah. anything like that. You're it was like, still out. In yeah, you're like a waitress, or there was a lot of brothels, like mm. stuff like that. Yeah. So where there, where there are people, there are there brothels. Are brothels. <laughs> <laughs> November 13th, 1906, a single man by the name of William Harris came into town, and within a few short hours, he destroyed people's lives in what was described as, even though Asheville. Apparently, it was not a good place to be. No. People trusted each other. Like, people knew each other because mm-hmm. it was the type of place you just knew. I mean, plus, I feel like every place in 1906 was kind was of like, that place. Because there wasn't that many people. Yeah, but, like, you just knew everyone and mm-hmm. you kind of knew who to trust and who not to trust, you know? Yeah, like, you knew people who lived there. Right. So, yeah. you were like, oh, it's this guy, you know. Yeah, if you know this person or if someone knows there and they're not related to someone you know, right. you're like, what the fuck? You're like, yeah, what is this? Yeah. I said, this horrible story starts like most, with a man who couldn't take no for an answer. (laughs) So, William Harris was obsessed with a woman named Molly Moxwell, a woman who did not want him. Of course, because he was a loser. He was a lunatic, not just a loser. He was in prison writing her letters. Like, Were you able to find what he went to prison for? There are varying things, but it seemed like he was stealing from farms and stuff like he was stealing a bunch of cattle and shit so he was like a horse thief yeah, or something. yeah yeah, okay. yeah. that makes sense because i was wondering about that yeah, yeah that's what it looks like he was in prison and he's obsessed with this girl so of course he writes her so letters bad. and i'm sure he can't write that well either <laughs> i looked so hard to see if i could find some of these goddamn letters i can't find them anywhere really They're lost. yeah no i mean because i'm sure she just saw them and was like yeah disgusting and burn them, them yeah out. yeah <laughs> She doesn't want to see him. She doesn't answer the letters. One of the places that I was reading the story off of was like his ex-girlfriend, Molly, because she worked as a waitress and he met her before he went to prison because she served him. Oh. And then some, some, basically one of the newsletters like kind of blamed her. Yeah. Like was like, well, you shouldn't be flirting. Not going to lie. That's how my parents met. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at them. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't work out. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they're fine. Um, yeah. So, although I have to, this is a total sidebar, but your yeah. dad, when he was telling us the story about how you and your mom every Sunday go grocery shopping, I was like, you know, they're so cute. Well, yes. Yeah, so he's like, she wakes up, she goes to the animal shelter. 
Then she goes straight from the animal shelter to her EMT classes. Then she'll come back. Then she comes home. She showers. showers. <laughs> then we go grocery shopping. And then we get home just in time to settle in for TV. Yeah. Like, and he was, was like, like, he was like, we used to have to use the big cart. But now it's just the two of us. Yeah. We just have to use, use the tiny one. cart. I yeah. was like, you're so cute. It's been, they have been childless for six months. Yeah. <laughs> They're losing it's their funny. mind. Uh, so eventually William Harris escapes by... So I guess like the labor they were doing at this specific prison was bricks or something. Okay. And they would have bags of bricks that I don't know they weren't using that were broken. Did he I have no idea. Hit people with a bag. No, of no, no. Bricks? He hid oh. in a bag of bricks. <laughs> that's even and better. And then they put it on a cart, and that's how he escaped the prison. He pulled a Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Could you imagine? They're like, huh? bag of bricks is like looser and heavier yeah. than usual <laughs> but it's heavy so it's like well, yeah it's um that's amazing yeah, I, I, I read that and i was crazy. like I what love the it. fuck they didn't search those bags yeah. of bricks <laughs> could you imagine they just go around and whack yeah. them now <laughs> to make <laughs> just sure shoot them yeah <laughs> so when she finds this out molly hears that he's escaped she goes to from what i can tell is her boyfriend's family's home Okay. In another city, mm-hmm. like a little bit away, not super far, but yeah. What I thought they said it was like in Hendersonville, yeah, or something, or something like yeah. that. Something like that today is not far away, but back, back then it then was it far. Was, away. It was yeah. far enough. It was like yeah. a, you know, it was like a trip. Yeah. It was like half a day's trip. Yeah, or today it'd probably something be like, like an hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like just right next door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, Molly's sister stayed behind. I love that she just fucking left her sister and was yeah, like, this she's dangerous like, dude might be coming here, but you stay. <laughs> You'll be fine. Oh, my yeah. God. You don't even look like me. It's fine. <laughs> um, her name was Pearl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is just... Molly and Pearl. You think yeah. they were Irish? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no. What no. are those Irish names? <laughs> so William Harris gets into town and, of course, he can't find Molly. Mm. And so he's kind of freaking out and he finds her sister. Now, this is the creepiest part. He finds her sister Working in the restaurant. Her and Molly worked at the same, like, mm-hmm. it's like a bar, you know, yeah. tavern type And it of. was, like, right across the street, right? Yeah. yeah. And so he sees her working and he waits outside and follows her home so that across he can go street. up. To, yeah. Well, it's, like, across the street and up a little bit. Yeah. Like, like maybe a block I, away. So when our tour guide was talking about that, all I was thinking was, what a great commute. Yeah. <laughs> but he follows her. So it's not like... See, if you were a not crazy person, mm-hmm. you might just walk in that restaurant and, and be like, hi, hey, I haven't yeah. seen your sister, you know, but he's insane. So yeah. he waits, he follows her home. She's about to close the door on her apartment and he pushes his hand in so that she can't close the door and mm-hmm. he forces her way in and he's demanding that she tell him where Molly is. And she's like, no, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. Now he also has what? is described in news articles as a savage gun. (laughs) It's just like a really large, it looks like, from the pictures I could see, it looks like a sawed-off shotgun, kind of, but not double-barreled. So it's just like a huge gun. Yeah, so it's really large caliber. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and really long. And, like, the police at this point, they, they kept pointing out, like, and our ghost tour guide did, too. Yeah. They just have, like, a pistol. Yeah, the police. Like a Tuesday special gun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Po- that was all police carried. <laughs> right. So it was, like, really tiny. Yeah. yeah. A woman's gun. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, I, and I love that picture 
in that article we were talking about where it's the police officers and it's like, oh, they're all children. Yeah. They're <laughs> so young. Yeah. Even like the captain is yeah, like, he's like 25. <laughs> so he has his big gun and he's waving it around. Luckily, Pearl's boyfriend comes to her apartment, like, mm-hmm. right when this is all getting really heated. And he comes in, and Will's like, get out of here. I'm going to shoot you. And he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> Do you think that relationship lasted after <laughs> I think they got married. Really? How did you not? But, so he, but he knows what's happening. So he doesn't just book it. Like, yeah. he goes to the police. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, at least which he is, did something. Yeah. yeah. Well, because he knew, I mean, what are you, he's, he's just, just going to get die, shot. Yeah. yeah. That's not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in his mind, it's like, well, if Pearl hasn't been killed yet, then, then we, maybe he's yeah. not going to kill her. Mm-hmm. And it's back in the day where it's like, you wouldn't kill a girl. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that would be really fucked Yeah, up that's fucked. Have to hide in a lot of bags of bricks to get mm-hmm. out of that yeah, one. Oh, yeah. Tons of bricks. <laughs> on the tour, you can see the police station from, on yeah. the ghost tour, you can see the police station we, from we the, like. We walked past the yeah. police station to get down to this yeah. street, yeah. So it's it's right there. It's two blocks away. Yeah. So he runs to the police station, and in the ghost tour and in all the articles, they kept saying there were only four police officers <laughs> yeah. in this town. Just like, that's the exact number of snowplows they still yeah. have to this day in the county. So... <laughs> Two of them are, only two of them are on duty at the moment. Makes sense. Yeah. Half. (laughs) The first two officers arrive on the scene and one like stays behind in case William decides to run. And Mm -hmm. the other has the unfortunate job of knocking on the door to be like, hey, it's the police. Mm -hmm. Open up. And William immediately turns, shoots through the door, shoots the police officer in the chest, kills him. Yeah. With with a giant fucking gun. With a giant fucking gun. So the second officer starts shooting at William and they kind of get in a small shootout and William ends up wounding the officer in the arm. Mm. Police Captain Page is the one who gets shot in the arm. Patrolman Charles R. Blackstock was the one who gets shot in the chest. He's like 23 years old. Oh my God. And he was like the senior officer compared to Page, right? Well, Page is the captain. Oh, Page is the captain. And then there's there's three patrolmen. So the patrolman dies... He gets shot in the He's, chest. And then yeah. two more are off duty. Okay. They're on Eagle Street in Asheville, in mm-hmm. case anyone knows about Asheville. Which I, I love that our tour guide was like, up until like 1994, I wouldn't bring yeah, anyone on like, this I street. I would have never gone down this <laughs> yeah. street. But now it's fine. Now it's fine. <laughs> yeah. The street uh, was referred to Hell's Half Acre. That's where all the black people lived. Yes. Yeah. They're okay. all, yes. By the way, all these people, except for the police officers, are black. Oh, really? Even Molly? Yeah. Molly and Pearl are black? Mm-hmm. Oh, black. okay. They're all referred to as Negroes. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> so, had to change a few words. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> That's good. The police were told by a man named Tony Johnson, who's just, like, out on the street. Because mm-hmm. the police officer gets wounded. William runs yeah. away. So, he goes down to, like, chase him. Mm-hmm. And Tony's there. He points them in their direction. And now they're chasing down Eagle Street. Mm-hmm. Which has a bunch of bars. To this day, it's, like, bars. It's rest. You know, there's a bunch of shit there. It's yeah. not just, like... A house. It's a popular road. Didn't he have Coca-Cola that had cocaine yes. in it? Before before he went to find Molly, he went to a bar. He, like, smoked a bunch of cigarettes or something and had Coke in it. But at that time, or he had Coke. Yeah. But at that time, Coke was still made with yeah. cocaine. So. Uh, yeah. I thought he, like, went to a place in town and bought the gun, a bottle of whiskey, and the yes. Coke. Yes. Yeah. He bought, Yeah. Can you imagine? So, oh, so he's had two things. Because there's a, unless... It could be wrong because it's a long time ago. But it yes. says that he breaks out of jail and the first place he visited was a bar. 
I but believe that too, though, because yeah. he had to travel to get yeah. to Asheville. And then, yeah. yeah, in Asheville, there's like a pawn shop that he bought the gun, a bottle of whiskey, and a bottle of Coke. Yeah. yeah. You could still kind of do that in Asheville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> like, Coke just wouldn't have like, cocaine in right it. Right down the main street of the street, the cross mm-hmm. street where uh, Reppy is explaining all this happened, is a pawn shop. It's like the oldest yeah. pawn shop in town. You could walk in there and buy a gun. It's great because... You know, marriage license takes like three days to go through, <laughs> but you could just buy a gun. Yeah. Takes you it three days to marry someone, doesn't matter. but it literally, yeah. you could buy a gun right now in yeah. Nashville. That's it. <laughs> you know, for protection. Yeah, for fun. For fun. <laughs> so That's your what kids this guy kill did. themselves with it. Yeah. So Paige knows he's outnumbered. So he goes back to the police station to call the other officers mm-hmm. and he runs back as quick as he can. He runs back to Eagle Street. I wonder how you would call the other officers. It's back probably then. like a um, tele, not a telegraph. You know? No, it's it's probably like an alarm system. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. But. In that short time it took him to run back, call other officers and run back. Which is literally a block away. Yeah. (laughs) William is on a shooting spree. He's shooting everything he can see. Mm -hmm. So first a man leans out of his shop window to see what all the commotion's about. And William shoots him right in the head. Kills him instantly. He was a good shot. Yeah. (laughs) As he's walking down the street, he passes a cross street. Randomly points his gun down it, shoots. And a man who happens to be walking out of a storefront, gets shot in the head and dies. Holy shit. Another man is shot in the groin area, but he has a coin in his pocket. The bullet hits it, reflects off of it, and hits him in the heart, killing That's him instantly. so crazy. Yeah. The person shot in the groin. He was the it one took coming him... out of the bar, right? Yeah, he, he okay. was coming out of a bar. It took him, like, four minutes to bleed out. They said they could still hear him gurgling. Yikes. It took. Ah. It was like one of the most painful things because it ripped through. It like kind of pierced his heart, but it ripped through all of his stomach, everything. So he just bled out. Yeah. Oh my because gosh. no one knew what to do. And could you imagine he would have just been like hit in the pocket area if right, he didn't yeah. have a, that coin in his pocket? It's crazy. At the exact right place. Yeah. Oh or my that gosh. man walking out of that. I mean, he William was just going crazy shooting down the street Anything and there just happened moved, to be right? a man who yeah. came out. Yeah. Just that is literally wrong yeah. place. It was wrong like time. it was like two blocks down the road, and yeah. that bullet still hit him. Yeah, and one of them was a bus boy or something, right? Who's taking out trash in an alley? No, it's just those three. Maybe I mean the the guy who got hit in the groin might have been a bus boy. I don't know. Oh, I, I thought he that. was coming out down the street a little bit more from that bar. That's now Barley's Tap Room, and I thought down the main Eagle Street, the tour guide was saying that there was a bus boy in an alley taking out the trash. Who and he was like a kid. He was like twelve. Oh, he might have been shot, but mm-hmm. I have. Th- so these three are the only ones I could find like written down. Yeah, that were that were killed. Yeah. So I don't know about that bus boy. Yeah, but yeah, in the ghost store, he did say he, like a like a kid, like a fifteen year old, mm-hmm. was also shot. This story, to Reppy's credit, is really hard to tell because it was a famous thing at the time. Everyone was like, "Oh my god, this rampage!" But. Asheville was such a little town that they didn't really keep great records. And here's the thing. And... Everyone who died was black. Yeah. Except wow. for the police officers. Mm-hmm. They weren't really waiting about. Yeah, that too. That's just what it is. It, that's I mean, how it was. Like, one one article I was reading just said three black guys. There was no... No, no information. No information. Yeah. 
And that that coin pocket thing, Mm -hmm. that I got from the ghost tour. But I know it's him because they mentioned that he was shot in the groin and then it Mm -hmm. it eventually traveled to his heart. (laughs) It just randomly decided to go that way. But in the ghost tour, the guy was like, yeah, it hit a coin in his pocket. Which is the odds of that happening. I mean, well, or the guy who was walking out of the he shot the gun before that guy walked out of that bar. It just happened to hit it. And he just happened to. Yikes. It's, this whole story is just full of those little things. Wow. Yeah, or that poor guy who just leaned out of his shop front to be like, what's all this commotion? Yeah. And then he just gets shot right in the head. And the thing is, most of us would do the same right. thing. Right, you're like, what the hell's happening yeah. out there? Because you don't think some murderous man is, is going, going on a rampage. No, that's like, the well, we might think that. But... Look, mind your own business is the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually Captain Page makes it back, but he's still wounded. He can't shoot, right? Yeah. He yeah. can't. I mean, his, his right arm is what's injured. Mm. So he still has his left arm. Yeah. So Harris randomly keeps shooting up and down the east side of South Main Street. And Paige and him meet. at a, So Paige goes basically the other way mm-hmm. and cuts him off so that he can't keep traveling. And they have another duel. But again, Paige is, mm-hmm. he's only has he's his left gun. arm and he's, yeah, he's outgunned and he's pinned behind this pole, like a telegraph pole. Mm-hmm. He is joined by Officer Bailey, one of the officers who's called. One of the three remaining officers. Yeah. <laughs> Bailey gets there, right? He's going to help Paige. And on his way, he turns to some people who were there who had their own guns out. And he was like, I deputize you to help me with this. So now these people are deputizes. I love deputized how th- it? deputized. <laughs> I love how that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're white. You're deputized. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Well, no, they were still black. Oh, were they? Yeah, most oh. of these people. This is like a that's mostly good, black neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. After slipping across the square, Bailey took a position behind a different telephone pole in front of a hardware establishment. From this stand, he fought with Harris till the gun pierced the twelve-inch pole and entered Bailey's left breast, <gasps> killing him instantly. Jeez. There's a lot of, like, people getting shot through things in this story. Yeah. So now Bailey's dead. Yeah. Which Um, just is a testament to the power of that gun, too. Right. Yeah. So this is where William flees. And he's still trying to find Molly. But he's really drunk, really high. So he doesn't really know what he's got. Mm -hmm. So. Just having a great time. Yeah. So a bunch of armed men get together in the town square with their rifles and their shotguns. And they're all ready for a manhunt. Deputy Sheriff Williams heads up a posse. Hell yeah. Um, that number's about 200 men. So there's like 200 people who are like, fuck this guy. Yeah. They're like, we got a gun. We're going out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The posse starts following. This is, that's what they call them. The posse. The posse. And I just I never changed it. that word. So I was like, <laughs> okay, they're the posse now. They go about 10 or 12 miles from Asheville where they find William laying down in a field. That's a long way, yeah. too. It's shortly right before 11 o'clock. And at night? Yes. Okay. Yeah. They see him laying in this field and they don't know what they're like. Is he passed out? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So one of the men in the posses like, calls his name mm-hmm. and it alerts him and he fires two shots randomly. He's still laying down. He picks up his gun, fires two shots. 200 shots are fired <gasps> from the posse. That's only William. one each. Yeah. Entering, well, <laughs> At this point, oh, those are the ones that hit him. Yeah, yeah. He gets two hundred bullets and he dies instantly. <sighs> of course, yes. A telephone message is reported to say that the body had been placed in a wagon and would be brought to Asheville. The posse follow the wagon into town 
and start cheering. Yeah. <laughs> and as they're walking down the streets, it said that people were leaning out their windows and like waving, like women were like waving flags <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And so no one ever claimed the body. <laughs> but That's my favorite part. You're the le- end. <laughs> you're leaving out my favorite part though. Which is? That they displayed the body. Oh, yes. And the cops had to be called three different times because people kept, people shooting, kept shooting at it. it. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure he was dead. Yeah. So they, like, they displayed this fucking body because no one wanted it. They, so... It's weird they didn't go into it on this ghost tour, but Asheville has, like, a history of displaying dead yeah. bodies. It's weird. That was only found... I could only find that in Asheville's... In the ghost tour... Website. They, like, they have, yeah. like, a page about, like, uh-huh. that gives little details. That's the only thing that talks about them displaying the body. But yeah. there are, like, photographs. Like There are. It's yeah. almost like every other website's like, oh, let's not talk about that. Yeah. So they, like, they just wag wagging it in, and everyone's like, yeah. yeah. And then like they, like, midnight. Yeah, they, like, <laughs> prop it up, and then they left it up for, like, some crazy yeah. period of time, like a couple weeks. And in the end, see, it doesn't say what happened to the fourth officer, mm-hmm. but Captain Page is the only one who survives. So he must have been shot at some at time. At some point, yeah. It does say that in that posse, when he fires those two shots, it mm-hmm. hits two of the people in the posse. Seriously? So potentially oh it could God. have been. It, that's when it could have happened. Because yeah. it doesn't give any detail. Like, yeah. He's like forgotten in mm-hmm. time. I don't know. There's a great article, maybe I'll, maybe I'll post on our social media, with the, the one surviving officer. He, yeah, that's where I got all of yeah. my... But that's also the one that it says Negro a bunch of times, so it's well, like me yeah. changing every word. Yeah, he, he wrote a letter detailing all the events of that night. Yeah, I kind of skipped over his after. quotes, but... Yeah. Because most of them are... Are racist. Mostly racist. Yeah. But yeah, I like paraphrased him a bunch, mm-hmm. you know. My like, favorite is when he just goes on about how they got the bloodhounds to help track him and they had to wait for them yeah, to they arrive to, on the, the train. The reason it took so long, yeah, <laughs> is because, like, I kind of skipped over this part. But yeah, when they were getting the posse together, they had to wait for, because they were the only police officers in that town, yeah. they had to wait for other police officers, like the deputy and sheriff and everything from other counties to come in. And in that, they got a bunch of bloodhounds, mm-hmm. and they had to put, but they had to put them on trains. Yeah, that was the so, only way to get them there. That's why it took so long, and that's mm-hmm. why he was twelve miles away. Yeah, he was able to get yeah. so far. And I love how he just and, randomly stops. Yeah, like, and and the reason the bloodhounds got his scent is because he had left a sweater at. He like took oh. off a sweatshirt or something at Paige's apartment and left it there. Pearls, Pearl's, Pearl's apartment. apartment sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is weird it's like he's just casually he's just ca- he's making himself time. he's just like yeah yeah which is weird because you think in that time a black man walking up and down the street with a gun would like draw some attention well but but in this neighborhood everyone's black and has a gun i and guess gun. yeah so it's really not that big of a deal mm-hmm but it did draw attention, but also, like, are you going to run toward... Like, eventually that posse comes out to help Paige, and that's when William kind of gets away. Because yeah. there's, like, you know, he's just firing and firing and firing, and it gets to the point where Officer Paige is like, I, I'm going to die here. Yeah. Like, there's no help. Like, he, he, like, he made some His only decisions. hope was Bailey, and yeah. Bailey gets shot, shot in the chest. Shot, yeah. And then, he, then he's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that he survived, yeah. you know? It's such a great story, and like it is. you never I feel like hear I did it a bad anywhere. Time or I did bad. No, describing I think it. I think you did really well because uh, it is so hard to the research. The guy who did the ghost story, he fucking told it so good. Well, he also—that's what he does for a right. living, right? But he it's just... also so hard because yeah, then I read contradictions, so I was like, mm-hmm. I left some things out because I was like, well, I can't 
prove yeah. it. So what if they just add it for flair? Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. know which is and whatever. So the ghost tour flair. people, contrary to like most ghost tour, place, ghost tour places, they like document everything. Yeah. So they're pretty solid when it comes to facts. Uh-huh. But also, like we were saying, this was just not a case that was super heavily documented. Right. I never. That's why I wanted to do it immediately when I heard yeah. it because I was like, I never heard about yeah. this. Yeah, and this it's, is a man who came and he killed a lot eight of people, people. Eight yeah. people. Because yeah. the two in the posse, the three others, and mm-hmm. then the two police officers. Yeah. That's eight people. He just yeah. came and killed. It for took no him, reason. It took him five minutes to walk down Eagle Street. Yeah. So he killed three men in five in five minutes. Well, three. He killed four men in five minutes, including the police officer. Yeah. And it's like just one of those senseless rampages. Right. Just because he wanted to find a girl. You yeah. Know, toxic masculinity ruins the party. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It, not even just the party. It just, it just ruins, ruins life. life. <laughs> it destroyed this town. I mean, that woman, Pearl, she couldn't even just go home from her shitty yeah. job at a diner. Right. Like, she worked a shitty job yeah. at like a bar tavern in a bad part of town yeah. and she was black in 1906 yeah. she had a tough life yes. already all she wanted to do was go home and hang out with her boyfriend yeah and she couldn't no he just made it a hellish experience for so many people yeah. but apparently now that those apartment buildings are like rooms you can stay in yeah what are they they're like businesses on the bottom yeah. and apartments on top yeah there's yeah. all like bars and stuff on the bottom yeah Apparently that street has a lot of paranormal activity because they found all of these hidden tunnels yes. below it. Asheville is like a crazy haunted because town. Also, there's a bunch of hidden tunnels and rooms and stuff mm-hmm. because back when Prohibition happened, they just fucking had a bunch of like yeah. speakeasies. And then when they were building all the new businesses, they just built over them. Yeah. And then so now underneath everything, there's... A shit ton of like just tunnels yeah. and rooms and shit. And yeah. that guy who leaned out the door and got his head blown off, he apparently haunts that business still. Ooh. There's that's the guy who people see a man floating like two feet above mm-hmm. or two yeah, two feet above the floor. Yeah. And it's him because back in the day that business was two feet, feet higher, higher. Yeah. Because they rebuilt it or whatever uh-huh. when speakeasies yeah. happened. And so now it's lower underground. Yeah. It's like the floor got drop set mm-hmm. in. It's really interesting yeah. and fascinating. If anyone's in Asheville, you it's have such a great to ghost tour. tour. It's a great ghost yeah. tour. Yeah, and they didn't even go into like the first tour I took talked about how that street that the police station is on. Uh-huh. There are tunnels underneath that go from the police station to Pax Tavern, which yeah. was a tavern back then too. And so what would happen is all this bootlegging would happen. And then the cops would raid the place, and then they would take the booze back to the police station, sell it to businesses, raid right. those businesses. Like, it was a whole thing. It's what happens in Detroit now. <laughs> you take the cocaine from who's buying it, yeah. and then you take it, and then you sell it back to them, and then mm-hmm. you raid them again. Yeah. Get some money. It's the circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a great story. It I is. love that story. story. I'm glad you, like, you decided to, like sift through all that information yeah it was it's so a lot. i was like halfway through it i was like should i even do this yeah like i wish i had recorded him speaking yeah because i wish i could just do his story he yeah. told it so well plus he had visuals which was really helpful to well, be like he was right there and then yeah. he looked down this like we looked down the street and it was yeah. like it's that business right there with we, the flag we out. went to like each yeah. spot 
Yeah. And that's really being right there and having the story told to you. Like you're as standing a story. on a sidewalk that was there a hundred years ago and mm-hmm. being like on this. If you were on this sidewalk in 1906 on yeah. that day, you would have been shot. Yeah. Because all the buildings are still the same, even though they aren't the same stores. Yeah. Like it's, it's Those, a very historical yeah. town. So mm-hmm. you're like looking at the same buildings that, you know, William looked at as he yeah. was trying to kill a bunch of people. And you can... You can visualize very clearly. Right. Like, it makes it so much more mm-hmm. scarier, even if it wasn't a ghost tour, even if it wasn't haunted. Yeah. It's well, still even, just like even that, chills. even without the ghost stuff. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah. It's just a wild story. I hate spree killers because I'm always <laughs> like, if I was in a spree killing situation, mm-hmm. would I be, would I be the ones to die or would I be the one to live? Like, because it's just luck. It's just the... It, especially just in that, this case. Yeah, it's just that bad luck of that guy who leaned out the window or the guy who left at that certain time. Or yeah. that if that kid was actually shot, it's just like Ugh. he had to take the garbage out. Yeah, you know? he was just like... I think the tour guy was saying it was like the last thing he had to do before going yeah. home. You know? And in that, I also... What fascinates me is that when someone's going on a rampage like that, what are they thinking? Like it's just what white, was he hot thinking? Rage. Yeah, but it and it's also drawn out, like over. Yeah, you know. Well, that's what I think. That's why I think he stopped in that field. I think yeah. he got twelve miles and in. Was he was like, done Fuck. shooting now, and he so he was exhausted. Probably mm-hmm. he's coming down from that high, and he's not white hot angry like yeah. he was before because that'll make you travel far. So I think he was just exhausted. And was like I'll just lay down here, and tomorrow I'll continue on. Yeah. That story always is just fascinating. And also, I can't imagine being shot. It must yeah. hurt. With a gun like that, too. Well, oh, it must hurt. And that thing, like, I'm surprised that the officer who was shot was able to recover from that. Because yeah. if you think about how big the caliber was. and Luckily, I think it just, like, grazed him. Yeah. Like, I don't think like it, it just his... prevented him I from think holding it was a... his arm steady. Yeah, because if you get shot with, like, a shotgun in the arm, it can take your arm clean off. Yeah. So I think if it shot him directly in, his mm-hmm. arm probably would have been taken off. So I think it probably just, like, grazed, grazed him, him yeah. enough where, like, he and couldn't shoot with it. It's also weird that he was so on target. For all the other right. times he shot people, but then Paige just miraculously yeah. kind of dodged it, I guess. Because it seems like he, just he had a great shot. Be, and it seemed like Paige just happened to be behind the right spot. He picked the right, like yeah. he hid behind a wall and he mm-hmm. hid behind like the right pole that I guess a bullet couldn't go through. <laughs> Not the other pole. Unlike the fucking other guy who was like, that guy's hiding behind a pole. I'll hide behind a pole. Yeah. And then his pole just gets shot through. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, that's a bad poll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are good. Those are good, good stories. Things. Yeah. So it was a wild time back then. <laughs> it was. Can you imagine? Thank God it's nothing like that anymore. Nobody <laughs> ever kills. Right? No. We, guys, we've totally solved the murder thing. <laughs> yeah, we've really done great. We're done with that. You know, we're past it. We've evolved. <laughs> we're like, I was going to make a Pokey John joke, but <laughs> I don't really know. We're like... Charizard. We were Charmander, yes. but now, but we're, now Charizard. we're Charizard. <laughs> Which <laughs> pulled that out of the oldies. Yeah. Dusted that I, off. I can't watch Pokemon and I can't watch anime because flash graphics give me migraines. Really? Yeah. Would you be able to see the new Pokemon movie that's coming out? It actually depends. Nowadays it's probably a different kind of animation. Yeah. But back in the day it was it was, it was flashes of a yeah. bunch of things. And yeah, it would give me migraines wow. so hard that my nose would bleed. 
Jeez. Yikes. Yeah. Ah. Imagine, imagine how creepy that was for my mother, like the first three <laughs> times where I'm just watching Pokemon. Because it didn't hurt. It was like their yeah. their ocular ones when my nose so bleeds. Just... So I'm not feeling any pain. I'm just like kind of dizzy and lightheaded. And then my mom just looks over at my nose and bleeding. Your mom was already a broken woman by your brothers yeah. at that point. So I'm sure <laughs> She's nothing just like, shook her. Well, I guess my kid's possessed by the devil. Yep. Fuck. At least easier than the other ones. Yep. <laughs> She's out of jail, so I don't. I yeah, mean, I mean, fine. for nosebleeds, sometimes Look, maybe the devil comes out. The Who devil, cares? the devil's a great caretaker. Yes, he's not gonna let anything bad happen to her as I mean, long as she does what he tells her. Exactly, he won't just want to give up a host like that. No, <laughs> she's great. Look at her. Yeah, fine. Full of energy. <laughs> so we are Helen High Horror. Yeah, as everyone knows. Hope everyone is enjoying our new cover art. Mm. This is gonna be our first episode that just is already branded with that cover art yes, so branded. that's fun uh we're part of the murderly network uh-huh. doing some stuff with them always nice and fun and wonderful so <laughs> follow murderly it's murder.ly that's the website and then the twitter is murder underscore ly so you can go and do that stuff you can follow us we are at helen high horror mm-hmm. on everything except twitter twitter we are hell high horror mm. so they wouldn't let us put the and in whatever we're not salty about it's it it's fine we're not bitter no <laughs> we're gonna make our own company one yeah time. Okay. yeah find twitter whatever <laughs> asshole fucking twitter <laughs> don't block us no <laughs> I've been going hard on the horror mo- memes. I know on I Instagram. noticed too, which is great because I never re-signed in on my Instagram. Oh, really? Or on my Twitter, so I haven't posted anything. Yeah, I mean, I just still have I to love do that. some horror memes. Me too. It I makes love me all giggle. the horror memes. Um, I'll post some too. Yeah, in a year and a half when I sign <laughs> in on my phone again. Once we get our shit together, yeah, it'll never happen. Yeah. If you like our show, which we're at the end of the episode, so I hope you do. I hope we didn't just waste your life. <laughs> You're just hate. Yeah, listening. you're hateless. Like it can't be this bad, can no. it? Let's yep. listen to the very to end. the Maybe very last better. minute. Um, if you would rate or review on iTunes, yes, and subscribe, that would help us out a lot. Mm-hmm. You can tell us what you like. You can tell us what you don't like. You can tell us. <laughs> Except we have a blocker on our internet that leaves out all <laughs> negative comments. So. so like you can, but no one's gonna read it. No. So. <laughs> Um, and we also have our Patreon up and going. I actually have to shout out a few of our Patreon Ooh, people. I didn't know we had people on Patreon. <laughs> we That's do. Sad. <laughs> we do have people on Patreon. Um, I think I have three people to shout out on this episode. Yay, follow them. Yes, they're wonderful. In real life and on social media. Yes. Just follow them. I wish we had a cool t-shirt. We should... Think of a t-shirt design. We idea. should. Well, I can always. So once final is over, final is over, finals are over. I have one left, guys. My brain's fried. Yeah. Um, I had a four-hour final uh, two days ago, and halfway through, I was like, do I have to do this? Yeah. I question my entire existence. Now, I'm not comparing teaching finals with lawyer finals because you have a lot more to memorize but I do remember distinctly being in one of my finals and just being like how many questions do I have to answer to just get a C (laughs) yeah like calculating in my brain I'm like well if I just answer 60 of them I guess I could walk out if I got all 60 right (laughs) I was like I can't do this yeah you there's a point at which you're like okay 
Let me add up the ones I'm pretty sure yeah. about. <laughs> Let's see. This one, nope, fuck that. Don't know that answer. Nope. We're like, not going to even gonna bank answer. on that I'm not going to waste my time on that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what might be a good idea? On Twitter, let mm. us know if you have any funny t-shirt ideas for a shirt yeah. in the future. And, I mean, we haven't done this in a while, but please send us your spooky personal yeah. stories yeah. or murder stories. We are hell and high horror at Gmail. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you want to include your t-shirt idea there, and maybe we'll pick a t-shirt idea. Yeah. Or we'll make like a, a vote. Because like we could just do our artwork or we could do something funny. Yeah. But and I'm not that funny. So and, someone else has to think of it for me. And listen, I so far have made all of our, not our artwork, not our cover artwork designs, but like any of our like merch stuff. And I'm shit at Photoshop. Yeah, and I can't worst. draw. So like. <laughs> so if we make it, it'll just be basic. stick figures of us. Exactly. Sitting in a closet and it'll say, <laughs> yes. this is it. Or this would be fun, too, if there's anything remotely funny that we've said yeah. that you would like on a piece I of can't merch. Tell. I can't either. <laughs> um, I'm like, I think that's funny. It makes me laugh. But yeah. lots of things make me laugh. It, that's true. I saw a pillow <laughs> the other day. This is very off topic. But I laughed so hard in the grocery store that people stopped and stared at me. <laughs> because it's from the office and it's just a pillow that says, Dwight, you ignorant slut. <laughs> I love that. Uh, also, I had the shock of my life the other day when my Ugh. dad texted me Uh-oh. and was like, I'm trying to listen to your podcast. How do I download it? And I was like, oh, no. Well, look, here's the thing. My dad doesn't know I have a podcast. He doesn't care I have a podcast. He doesn't know anything about me. Yeah. So it could be well. Uh, my well, mom knows I have a podcast and told me to my face so that she doesn't think that's a good idea. And I was trying to describe <laughs> to her. I was like, no, podcasts are like popular things. And she's like, I just don't think people will listen to podcasts. And it's like, you know, I didn't invent podcasts, right? I just have a type of podcast. <laughs> like she was thinking I was trying to get you were podcasts going. Podcasts? Yeah. I was like, podcasts are already a thing and people like Yes. Them. I don't she have She thought to... you had come up yeah. with something that would actually like, this is a viable idea. And she thought <laughs> and it was she shit. She thought it was shitty. Yeah. <laughs> shitty enough to be like, well, you can do it, but I just don't think it's that great of an idea. No, she was just like, you know what? You came up with it, so no. Yeah. And I was like, well, I didn't invent the podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, we just have a, t-. and she was like, okay, I just, I don't think people will listen to people talk like that. That's like the worst part of a radio. And I was like, mom, that's that the worst already part of a radio. Done. We've oh already, my God. Like, we, people have already established that they do want that. Yeah. It's just, we have to sell ourselves. She just didn't get it. That's really I invented funny. podcasts is what I'm saying. Yes. I'd be rich and I'd never share my money with my mom. I'd be like, you thought it was a dumb idea. Yeah. If this ever makes us money, it can make us $5. If I get $5 from this podcast, she gets yep. nothing. Okay. We want to shout out Sydney. We want to shout out Janae. Janae has yes. been a longtime supporter. We love you, Janae. You could follow uh, Bacon Bits Kitty. No. That's uh, her Instagram. <laughs> and kitty. Yeah. Clearly. Um, and we want to shout out Chelsea. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to try to, though. It's um, Mascooch. Mascooch? Chelsea Mascooch? I don't, I don't have it in front of me. I can't tell you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so is, those... are, is there no handles for them to follow? No, uh... I'm not seeing any. Well, if they want to email us or Twitter us or whatever, yeah, we'll, we'll or promote you. message us, yeah. something like that. We will totally uh... we'll stick your handles in if, you, if, if that's what you want. Some people don't like attention, I've heard. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. Too. But... No, obviously not us. Yeah. Um, 
So those <laughs> those are our uh, $10 and up Patreon supporters. We love you guys. Thank you. We also hope that you got the stickers we sent out. We have the new stickers on our Redbubble shop. And our $10 yes. Patreon supporters get them for free. Yes. Well, for $10, but whatever. <laughs> because they, I mean, they donate. So. so we hope everyone likes those. Let us know if you got them. Because, you Let know. Let us know if you don't got yeah. them. All that stuff. You know, all the basics. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if we have a t-shirt, <laughs> we'll give a t-shirt right? out to some people. Let us know do a, your Let us know ideas. if you would wear a t-shirt. Yeah, would us. you even wear a t-shirt from us? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'd wear a t-shirt <laughs> See, like, the only t-shirts I would buy from a podcast are, like, funny sayings. Like, I wouldn't yeah, wear, like, a I like logo funny shirt. Say. No, I don't think so. Either. But then we'd well, have to figure out what's I ha- funny. I have a last podcast shirt with their yeah. stuff on it, so... I don't have one of those. No. I like I do like the sayings though. Sayings yeah. are nice. So let us know your yeah, ideas. Yeah, just let us know the whole thing. We're <laughs> uh, clearly we're a mess and we yeah. need people to tell us what to do. Yeah, we're a whole ass mess. Yeah. So yeah. well Well, we don't half ass anything. Just no. like Ron Swanson says. Yeah. We whole ass one we whole ass one thing. Ron Swanson, wrap around having Okay. Well that's it for this episode. We hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving, gobble, I guess. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Oh my God, Christmas is coming up. We're going to yes. have to do an episode before Christmas. Yes, we will. So we can release one maybe so on we're, Christmas. So we're not going to say, you know, happy holidays to you yet. I mean, happy Hanukkah if you're Shabbat Shalom. Like me. Yes. Hava. 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 Nikila Hava. Nikila Hava. Is that what you were going <laughs> to yep. say? That's funny. <laughs> um, but we're going to try to get an, another one out to you before then. So this will not be our last. Yes. Okay. Well, happy hauntings, everyone. Bye. Bye.